0: You're listening to episode 206 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast, a broadcast where the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchborg, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. Well, I'm here for one final time with 2007 alumnus of Mid-America Reformed Seminary, Pastor Nick LeMay, uh, to speak on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit Nick, thanks for joining me. I've really been uh, enlightened and appreciated your take uh, on Matthew 12 and this doctrine. Thanks for joining me.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Jared.
0: So in this third episode, I want to hear from you some implications and application. We can uh, think of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and many things— can come to mind. But I want to hear you address how we as the church today can identify where this blasphemy takes place, particularly in false teachers, um, what this means for the lady, what this means for pastors. But let's let's focus firstly on identifying false teachers. How how does the correct understanding of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit help us in differentiating orthodoxy from from heresy, really?
1: Yeah, and I want to be really careful because I don't think that the blasphemy of the Spirit encompasses all sort, all false teaching, right? All things that may be wrong or unbiblical. A person could have any number of very misguided ideas about the te- what the Scripture teaches, but not be a heretic or not have committed the blasphemy against the Spirit. So I, I, I want to be careful in that respect and also... In, in identifying who might have committed this, I think that's also perhaps tricky. But I think the general contours are helpful in, in, the, in that I think the blasphemy of the Spirit is a, again, we've said it's a sin committed by teachers who are exercising authority in the church. But a component of this is that it involves a willful, knowledgeable, and malicious rejecting of Jesus Christ and not only that i mean that would be bad enough right but it's not only that it's also the use of one's authority one's as a teacher to lead others away from Jesus Christ in other words this is this has to do with the gospel it strikes right to the heart of who jesus is and what he's done for sinners and to willfully, knowledgeably and maliciously draw people away from Christ, I think that, that is the heart of this blasphemy. Um to, to cause them to reject the Spirit's testimony of who Jesus is, is to blaspheme the Spirit. And you notice in the in the in the New Testament, part of the blasphemy of the Spirit that Jesus pronounces against the this anathema that Jesus pronounces against the Pharisees is that they're doing this for their own gain they 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 do this for personal gain for from greed out of greed and avarice they also do this for for political gain for power as a, as a power play so you see that there are selfish and and different kinds of personal motivations that they have that cause them in the light of what they know about Christ because of the spirit's testimony with what they see very clearly to still reject it which mm-hmm. is actually it's quite a remarkable thing to think about that you could see something clearly and reject it it's it's terrifying in one respect and so to think about that in a modern context i think we can apply those things but we ought to apply them with care uh, that we is um i always remember uh, Mark Vanderhart saying, "We don't have cardioanalytic ability, so all we can all we can really judge is what we see on the outside, and yet we still ought to judge judiciously or with with some measure of care."
0: So, with that in mind, could you take some time to provide encouragement and exhortation for Christians who may be struggling with this sort of thing?
1: I think that for Christians who are concerned. This is a good sign. If if you're concerned that you've committed the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I think it's true what's often said. If you're worried about having committed it, it's a pretty good sign that you haven't committed it. I mean, hmm. what is Let's G- see what Jesus... In Mark, I think what, in Mark chapter 3, it it's really interesting what Jesus says about about the religious leaders, right? So uh, Mark, you get the blasphemy of the Spirit at the end of the chapter, but at the... The beginning is part of that whole narrative. And what he says in three, in chapter three, verse five, and he looked around at them. And that them is not the people. That them, I think it, this is the religious leaders. He looked around because they're saying, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to, I mean, Jesus asked them to do harm, to save life or to kill it because they, they're waiting to see. It's interesting. They haven't said anything it's like the in mark it's like that first where he heals the the paralytic they're they're reasoning in their hearts right and jesus knows what they're thinking but here also they're reasoning in their hearts they're waiting to see to catch him now if he'll heal on the sabbath and what does jesus say in verse 5 he says and he looked around at them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart now if if you're a christian who is struggling with sin and you're sitting there going I have my sin is so grievous to the Lord my sin is so grievous to me i and you're worried that you've committed a sin which is beyond the hope of pardon this is a really good sign that you haven't it's actually a really good sign that you don't have a hard heart right so the hardness of heart is what leads them after Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath bringing rest to him, right? Heals his withered hand. The hardness of heart leads them to go out and plot how they might destroy him. Your grief, your grief is over sin. Well, that is a good grief. I mean, this is is a good sign. We ought to be grieved over our sin. We ought to agonize over our sin. And it ought to bring us, it ought to bring us that, it ought to inconvenience and in and, and and make us uncomfortable. Not we ought not to feel okay with it. That's a sign of hardness of heart. Whereas the turmoil that it brings to the to to the to the godly soul is a good thing. It's really indicative of the work of the Holy Spirit, not a blasphemy against the Spirit. And what what I think that people, what we need to do, as especially as pastors and any Christian really, but especially as pastors is direct people ever and always to jesus that he is more willing to receive us than we are to come that his grace is sufficient that it is greater than all our sin and that there is that, that what he did for us at the cross was to take all of our punishment and to drink the wrath of god down to its the cup of the wrath of god to its dregs so that there is not one drop left for you that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that is both a call to rest in Christ and it's an encouragement to resist sin. So, I mean, it's it's both. Because of what he's done for us, he equips us with his spirit to fight against sin, to mm-hmm. resist it. But at the same time, to rest in him, that his work is perfect and complete on our behalf, in our place, condemned he stood, sealed our pardon with his blood, and that—that's that's the message and hope of the gospel, and the encouragement is, if you're feeling the weight of sin, it's the Spirit's work calling you to rest in Jesus Christ, who bore the weight of your sin for you.
0: Thanks for that mini exhortation. It uh, was very very encouraging. Thank you for that. Now, what about what about pastors? Reflect now. On how understanding this sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, should shape pastoral ministry.
1: First and foremost, it ought to this, this this passage weighs heavily on my heart because it's a warning, and actually, that's why I think the Lucan version of this is quite interesting because the Lucan version of the blasphemy against the Spirit is in the context not of a proclamate Jesus proclamation against the pharisees but of a warning to his disciples which you say well could the disciples possibly commit it well judas you know maybe although you know i forget which church father but one of them suggested well maybe even judas could have been restored to repentance well Hmm. he was the son of perdition so likely not but this is a warning to them don't fear man who can only kill the body, but fear God, who after killing can also cast into hell. So that's the one whom you should fear. And don't deny the Son of Man. Notice that right before he warns them of the blasphemy against the Spirit, he tells his disciples not to deny the Son of Man before men. Not to deny him, or they will be denied before the angels in heaven. I think that that's pretty striking. And then he says, look, all manner of blasphemy will be forgiven man, but not the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So I think the context in Luke is really instructive for pastors, for those who actually exercise that prophetic and apostolic call to preach the word, to teach the gospel. Um, that, that's a great and high calling. It also comes with a great deal of responsibility that ever and always we should lead people to Christ. And now you say, well, could the other of the apostles have f- committed the blasphemy? Well, that's not really the point. I don't I don't think so. I think the warnings you might say, well, can the elect fully and finally fall away? Well, no, but that doesn't mean the warnings aren't for the elect too. The elect are to warn us, to instruct us, to cause us to be more to be far more careful, right? To 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 hate sin to resist it to to be on our guard (laughs) to stay awake and watch and pray so yes they're for us well no the elect cannot fully and finally fall away but can the elect fall away well sure will they be restored to repentance i absolutely believe that but in the meantime they do great harm and damage to themselves okay so the, the 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 warning is also for them to be very careful To know, and as Paul said, I have purpose to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. Well, I think this is a call for pastors to know Christ and him crucified and to point those who sit under our instruction, to sit under our teaching, to point them ever and always to Jesus, to be very solicitous to always preach the word and to be very careful against teaching and preaching which may lead people away from christ it's to be on our guard and to know that the only hope is christ
0: thank you for uh, your reflection on this it's been very enlightening it's been encouraging to hear nick thank you for uh, taking the time to participate in this podcast
1: uh thanks for having me It's has been a lot of fun it was good to refresh my memory and go back over <laughs> my article and and this topic which is really so important
0: Before we wrap up the year 2023 with one final episode next week, I want to extend warm wishes to you and your loved ones this Christmas season. My hope is that you find time to gather with friends and family and reflect on that which matters the most, the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next time we start an exciting new series with Dr. Beach as he begins a multi-episode journey of taking us through the seminal work of John Calvin and his Institutes of the Christian Religion. He'll kick off with episode one next time just to whet your appetite for when he picks it up again in February after we take a break in January. We look forward to bringing those episodes to you. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with friends or family. Your support helps us bring more engaging content to your ears and helps us foster not just a community of lifelong learners, but thoughtful practitioners. I'm Jared luke Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.